0: Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Lysticoe of the Des Moines Register. Uh, my buddy Tyler Tashman is on the road to Bloomington, Indiana for the basketball game on Tuesday, so uh, happy to be joined by our other Hawk Central uh, Iowa football beat teammate, Dargan Southern. Dargan, thanks for jumping on so we can discuss uh, the hiring of Tim Lester as Iowa's offensive coordinator. It is January 28th, Dargan. Uh, Brian Ferrance was let go on October 30th. Uh, obviously stayed through the season, but it's been a full three months.
1: It feels like a very unspectacular conclusion to all of this. Um, And particularly if you're an Iowa fan after having to suffer through the last season to then have this offensive coordinator search drag on and end with the guy who I don't think really anybody was going to get excited about at all. And there's a lot of hard evidence to not get excited about, to be honest. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I think there was cautious optimism in the Iowa fan base that the uh, the how far things had sunk on offense would, even for Kirk Ferentz, create some urgency to get this hire right. And, um, I mean, it certainly could still go right. Obviously, it has to, to play out. But um, I certainly understand the skepticism and the frustration that I'm sure just about every Iowa football fan is feeling right now.
0: Well, let's get to kind of the, the track record of Tim Lester here first, and then we can get get into, like, thoughts of how this unfolded, thoughts of how it can work, how it might not work. Um, certainly, uh, we arrived here after a long process. I mean, Paul Christ, we reported, turned down the job in mid-January, so that was about two weeks ago when that kind of officially happened. So um, as I kind of wrote in my initial column here, you know, reacting – on the fly wasn't necessarily isn't necessarily one of Kirk Ferrance's greatest leadership strengths. Uh, I think it was it was pretty clear in December as you look back on what he said, kind of the names that emerged there, Paul Chris, Joe Philbin, uh, that Chris was he had one of those two guys in mind. And I think Chris ultimately rose to the top for him and Chris had a week to think about the job, decided not to take it. We don't know why he didn't take it. Uh, and he decided to stick with Texas as an analyst, and that ended up being a curveball for for Kirk Ferentz uh, because uh, no matter how he tries to sell it, it's clear that Tim Lester is not his first choice. Now, that said, who is Tim Lester? Well, as Dargan alluded to, a six-year head coach at Western Michigan. Um, that is his the primary portion of his, college, his high-level co- coaching resume he posted a 32 and 27 record as the head coach there. He took over play calling duties in his second year on the job. So, uh in those years he called plays or was in charge of the offense. It's hard to determine exactly which games if if there was any that he didn't call plays in, but he went 7 and 6, 7 and 6, 4 and 2, of course in the COVID season, 8 and 5 and then 5 and 7. Now that 2021 season we'll get into was probably his best complimentary football season. Uh, that was his best record. Uh, the time of possession was fourth in the country. Thirty-five plus minutes per game. Had some of the run. Had some of the pass. Uh, he does some RPO stuff. But uh, his only here's where I, here's where I'm really uh, having a hard time with this Dargan is his only Power Five coordinating experience was with Syracuse, and you can't put it all on him, obviously because it looks like Syracuse was kind of a train wreck when he was the OC, but Syracuse went five and 14 with him as a play caller. And Kirk Ferentz has said, you know, wins and losses as a coordinator are what mean the most to him. And that's obviously a a nod to his son, Brian Ferentz, who ended up with a a good winning percentage as OC, but we know he wasn't a good OC. Um, So that's where I have a hard time. I'll give him some credit for the Mac record which was okay. I mean, basically 500, uh, a little bit better than that. Had one really good win in those six years. Um, But, uh, you know, that's Mac competition too. That's not, if you're offering 1.5 million a year for an offensive coordinator job at a team with a ready-made defense, a ready-made special teams, it feels like, gosh, you you know, could have done better than an analyst for the Green Bay Packers.
1: Yeah. And, you know, in between the Western Michigan, head coaching run, and the Syracuse OC was his one year in the Big Ten as the quarterback's coach at Purdue in 2016, which, you know, you you look at that year, and David Blau's numbers are all right, but that team still went three and nine, and David Blau threw 21 interceptions to only 25 touchdowns. So um, I think that given how, you know, given what Iowa is coming from, I think it was fair to hope that there was something on whomever took the job's resume that really popped and really said, okay, if they can replicate that at Iowa, then the Hawkeyes will be in good shape. But, um, there's really nothing, there's really nothing there that, that is going to negate the skepticism that is clearly evident from everybody across the board. And so, um, one, one other thing I wanted to add that I, Just discovered maybe 20 minutes ago that I thought was pertinent. So, um, when Tim Lester got fired after the 2022 season at Western Michigan, that came 10 months after they gave him a two year contract extension. And the year that they fired him was his first losing season at Western Michigan. And the part that I found uh, a bit jarring was after they fired him, the Western Michigan AD, who had given him the contract extension 10 months prior, uh, one of his quotes said, I didn't have a ton of confidence in the plan moving forward. So, I mean, maybe this guy just isn't cut out to be a head coach and, um, you know, is is better suited for, for a coordinator role. But I don't know. that there, There's nothing on the resume that really gives – a boost of confidence that this is going to work out to the level that Iowa needs it to.
0: Yeah. And we can, um, you know, we can project all we want, but this is we're dealing with the information we have. And that's one of the pieces of information we have. And that's kind of where I, it just, uh, it just seems like, I, I mean, I totally understand the frustration among Hawkeye fans initially hearing this news. I think, I think the hope was you'd be inspired and hopeful and excited about the offensive coordinator because you had a blank slate. You finally uh, were able to move on from Brian Ferentz. I mean, as the, as the offense sunk to deeper and deeper depths over the past two and a half seasons. I think I, I keep regurgitating this stab, but it's just crazy that over the last 35 games, Iowa has 19 touchdown passes and 27 interceptions. I mean, this is college football here. <laughs> you that's should have. Answered. Yeah, and so that's how low we've sunk. And, Iowa's, and on, on top of that, Iowa's yardage, uh, per game in the run game was 2.92 in 2022 and 3.34 in 2023 yards per carry. So um, you know, the bar was low. It didn't have to be like uh, a, even a super great hire, but I feel like you just wanted some kind of inspiring hire, somebody with a track record. Uh, it came down to Dargan, uh, Tim Lester, and Kevin Johns. Obviously, let's put Chris in a separate category. He was the We'll put him one, let's say, you know, Johns and and Lester ultimately vying for two. But also at this point, Dargan, a lot of guys were off the table. And that's kind of where I I feel like Kirk Ferentz really uh, hurt himself here. I know he wanted to be patient in the process, but he let December go without really making much movement in the O.C., search and i agree i understand texas was in the college football playoff he wanted to be respectful i'm sure of of paul christ's you know uh efforts to help them beat washington but at the same time the lack of urgency all of a sudden more and more candidates were off the table who knows which ones were viable if there were viable candidates but you have to think there were a mm-hmm. lot of people were hiring offensive coordinators so uh i feel like just my read is I feel like he dragged his feet too much and procrastinated too much thinking it would work out, and I don't know – we don't know that if it did – we don't know that it did work out.
1: And I think a lot of the frustration, you know, for several reasons, but um, I think one of the big ones is there was a lot of smoke and a lot of momentum for Kevin Johns late last week and through the weekend. And that seemed like a guy who, like you said, even this late in the game – would be, you know, a decent name to, to bring in, you know, and, and obviously it wasn't going to be a case like Paul Chris because Kevin Johns is unemployed right now. So um it, it and again, there was some some items on his resume that you could point to and say, okay, there was there was a lot of success there and and there was you know some things that whether it was the Duke stop or, or elsewhere that you know offered some optimism. And I think, you know, while most a lot of Iowa fans probably would have picked Chris as the number one choice of their, of the names that have been mentioned. I think everybody would have been okay with Kevin Johns coming in at this point. And so for it not to be a situation where Kevin Johns turned them down and instead Kirk Ferentz seemingly picked the other guy who was in the running, I think that's where a lot of the frustration lies because, if he had, if if they were announcing Kevin Johns as the OC today, it would be a completely different reaction. And Kirk Ferentz had the ability to do that, you know, right at his fingertips. And so, while you know there was a lot of questioning whether Kirk Ferentz is is equipped to guide offenses in this new age of college football, um, you know, the 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 selection here uh, doesn't offer a whole lot more confidence on top of it, just because of of what seemingly it came down to the final two. And uh, he went with the guy that most people wouldn't.
0: Well, let's back up. Uh, let's look at Kevin Johns, resume. this is the Tim Lester podcast, but let's look <laughs> at kind of what he was picking again, you know, what the options were. And um, Kevin Johns has uh, a, a wide range of experience. Kevin Johns ran a spread offense, more of a power spread uh, predominantly, which you know, Urban Meyer made famous, and certainly that's why Urban Meyer, you know, plucked Kevin Wilson from Indiana, who was Johns' boss at, at Indiana when Johns was the OC at Indiana, where they had some really good offenses, not great defenses, but really good offenses with him as coordinator. Uh, he also learned from uh, Cliff Kingsbury one year under the air raid at Texas Tech. They had monster numbers that year. No surprise that that wouldn't have translated to Iowa probably, but. Again, he was exposed to those concepts. Uh, yeah, it, interestingly, he was Tim Lester's OC in 2017. Now that was a strange a strange year for everybody because PJ. Fleck had had left Western Michigan after a highly successful year, gone to Minnesota. So it was kind of a reboot type of year. And Tim Lester hires Kevin Johns, you know, out of Indiana to sort of settle things down on offense while Lester got his feet under him head coaching wise, I, it looked to me like it was kind of a one year arrangement until Lester could kind of take over the offense, how he saw fit. Um, you know, the, the team went six and six that year, I believe. So not horrible. Uh, offense ranked 78th in the country. Not great. Uh, but again, that's with, you know, PJ Fleck took a bunch of players within Minnesota. It was, it was clearly a reboot year. So you kind of throw that year out the window and I kind of did in my article a you know, my column about Lester, I sort of threw that 2017 year out of the window because he wasn't coordinating that offense. And it's probably not fair to pin much of that on Johns either. Uh, But uh, here are the numbers. Well, here, here are the numbers for Lester. And then I'll kind of compare them with Johns. Okay. So it Lester, Lester's offense, um, 436 yards a game in 2018, 35th in the country, 2019, 445 yards per game, 25th in the country. 2020, 479 a game, 16th in the country. 2021, 467, 8, 12th in the country. So those are good numbers. Again, I'm not disputing those numbers. I do wonder the types of defenses he was going against. And I, I outlined that in my column too. Most of the MAC defenses in his best year were ranked between 90 and 120 something. So uh, you got to take those numbers with a grain of salt. Whereas, Kevin Johns going against the ACC competition, you know, the Clemsons of the world, Florida States, Miami of Florida, different type of defenses. Also with kind of underdog type of talent, you're not getting the top talent at Duke. So he's doing a lot with a little, but the thing is that that year in 2022, you mentioned that Western Michigan, Tim Lester's offense plummeted 301.9 per game, 125th in the country in offense. Looks like it was a rebuilding year and they didn't give him a chance to come back. But still, you know, a good leader, a good program has a plan in place. And uh, the 2021 year was his best year, 35 minutes time of possession, uh, 16th in the country in total offense, uh, 250, I'm sorry, in rushing offense, and 47th in passing offense. So decent balance there. Um, But Kevin Johns at Duke, you know, he goes 17 and 9 as a play caller at Duke. Um, That's pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. I, and Riley Leonard was injured for the back half of this past season, so that the record was actually thirteen and four before Riley Leonard got hurt, which is, I mean, to me, that's a big distinction of where the Duke offense was, and and where it was at the end of the year. So, oh, you got some static there, Dargon. May want to mute. Um. So anyway, uh, sorry about the the static. Can you hear me. Yeah, but there's some static. Just so you know. Um, I'll keep, why don't you mute and I'll keep talking if you want. Um, it's a little better now. Give it a try. Anyway, just saying, I. it seems like to me, Kirk Ferentz went a little more comfortable in Leicester, and by comfortable, I mean not a spread offense, somebody that he runs RPOs, Leicester runs RPOs, but, um. You know, it seems like he runs a little bit more of a pro style slash multiple scheme. Oh, we've lost Dargon. Great. I'll keep talking. Um, and, and looking back at Johns' track record, just to kind of finish that conversation, 2008 through th- 2010, he was the pass game coordinator at Northwestern. Went 3-0 and against the Hawkeyes. We all remember those games. 22-17 in Kinnick in 2008. Uh, the Ricky Stangy injury game in 2009. And then uh, the Dan Persa heave uh, when he broke his leg or whatever in the last play in 2010 to to painfully defeat what was a pretty good Hawkeye team that year again. Pass game coordinator, pass game acumen. I feel like the pass game is where this offense really needs to take a step forward. And uh, John's had some chops in that department. So. Anyway, Dargan, you're back. Um, I'm not sure if you heard any of that last part, but as far as the Johns Lester comparison goes, I think there's, you know, there's going to be conversation as this goes forward. What what would have John's era been like, and what will a Lester era be like?
1: Yeah, sorry, my uh, my, my dad called, and so uh, it fouled up the audio on my phone, which is what I'm broadcasting this on. If I'm looking in odd places here, so anyway, yeah. I mean, again, like I I feel like Kevin Johns is going to be one of those names. You know, wherever he goes in his next stop or stops, uh, Iowa fans, especially if Tim Lester doesn't materialize into something uh, decent, I feel like Iowa fans are going to keep an eye on him and just kind of wonder what could have been because, again, I mean, if you're just going off of what's on paper and all that, I mean, to me, it's not really close in terms of which one has the superior resume and has done more at a higher level so um you know i feel like there's kind of a a sim a similar comparison to how iowa is when they go after these mac guys who are you know on the fringe and try to flip some of them it's like you you hear about the ones that work out but a lot of them don't and i think it's fair to wonder those numbers put up against mac competition how is it going to translate into the big 10 especially as the big 10 as we know is about to get a whole lot tougher so um yeah I mean it's it's it'll be interesting to see which direction this goes because and it'll be interesting to hear from from Kirk whenever we do next that you know kind of what what led him to make the decision that he made cuz I think a lot of people have a lot of questions on you know how it unfolded
0: Yeah and just to finish the John, Kevin John's part um it felt like that some people are saying like that I'm talking you know like other reporters I've talked to on the beat are like, yeah, maybe it is more of a coin flip. But um, I I thought that the Duke, what he did for Duke was a lot more similar what he could project at at Iowa because Mike Elko was a defensive coach, a defensive-minded head coach. And even though Kirk Ferentz is an offensive guy, Iowa runs a defensive-minded program. And Kevin Johns elevated Duke's offense to the point where they could be competitive and they could beat Clemson. And they would have, you know, they went toe to toe with Notre Dame. And, you know, Riley Leonard got hurt in that game and they lost by a touchdown. Um, and then Riley Leonard got hurt again a couple weeks later and he was out for the year. So they you know, they actually won a few games with a third string quarterback, you know, found a way to adjust. There's just a lot to like about what Kevin Johns had done over the past couple of years and maybe, you know, just give Iowa a slightly different look on offense. Uh, but obviously, you know, we'll see what the Tim Lester offense. Looks like for Iowa, we don't know. We'll have to talk to him about it. You know, what does he want to implement? What is he allowed to implement at Iowa? But um, it's just uh, you know, you look go back to that Syracuse track record and you know, a hundred and let's see, in in 2014 um, again. You, I don't want to put this all on him because uh, he took over five games into the year, but they went one and six in the last seven when he was calling the plays finished 116th in the country in offense the next year offense totally his they finished 119th in the country in total <laughs> offense that's the only time they've gone he's gone against you know he's he's called plays at a power five level and that's where that's just like can you not find someone who's called plays at a power five level or nfl level i mean even if we're going to talk about the joe philbin thing or even the luke getsy uh rumor that that cropped up i mean the the coordinator for the chicago bears in the last several years um you know i uh, this feels like the person with the least amount of uh high level uh not experience but uh results yeah so so anyway for 1.5 million assuming that's about what you can afford here which that's that's what i had heard uh it seems like gosh might have missed the mark here we'll see but I, I don't i feel like it was a miss
1: well and the ironic part about the whole situation is you would think that the guy coming in to replace Brian Ference and take over the Iowa offense that finished last in the country, that would be like a dream scenario because the bar is so low of what you need to do to, you know, be viewed as successful here. But hiring the guy that nobody's really getting excited about almost negates all of that. And there's going to be a lot of pressure to come in here and perform, you know, pretty much right away because, as we know, you know the defense pretty much gained everybody back that it could, other than Cooper DeGene. And so, you know, the the two other phases of football that Iowa has mastered seemingly are going to be at the same level that they have been the last couple of years. And so, you know, I I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of pressure to come in here and make it look better. Now, again, th- there's nowhere to go but up, and perhaps that will be enough of a cushion to kind of ease him into this role. But um, you, you would think that um, following the guy who a lot of people termed as, you know, one of the worst and the statistics showed was one of the worst OCs in the country would give you uh, a little bit of leeway into your transition, but um, it doesn't really feel like that's going to be there. And it doesn't really feel like that um, that's going to be how things start. And Tim Lester's really going to have to, Kind of win everyone over and again, you know not that appeasing the fan base is a top priority, but there's just been so much noise and so much uh, such a toxic kind of film over everything to do with Iowa offense the last couple of years and um, I hope that was communicated to him in the process because um if he's expecting to kind of walk in here and you know not have to to prove himself to everybody then um, that's that's not really what the situation's going to be.
0: Yeah, I would be. I would say this is the most pressure job he will have been under as a Absolutely. coach. Absolutely, and I would Absolutely. say, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that includes being a head coach at, a, at the MAC level. So this is this is a big pressure cooker for him, and he doesn't have a great track record to speak of. Now let's look at a few positives for Lester. Again, I pointed out some of them. Twenty nineteen. They ran for 5.3 yards per carry. That's a really, really good number at Western Michigan. Okay. Even no matter what defense you're going against, that's something to build on. Iowa would kill for four and a half, and he got to 5.3 in 19. 2020, they finished second in the country in yards per passing attempt. Now they ran more that year than passed, but the 10.9 yards per passing attempt abbreviated COVID season, lots of asterisks there. Um, the MAC abbreviated season didn't wouldn't have had any of those, you know, power five matchups. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but they were second to Alabama in the country. And then 2021, that like I said, that was kind of his best year. But at the same time, they only squeezed eight and five out of, out of like having their best talent. They had Sky Moore, who's on the Kansas City Chiefs now uh, on that team. And, uh, you know, there's – you know, you only went eight and five and that I I read some articles about Lester, you know, surrounding that season. And there was a lot of disappointment in how that season went. They went one and four in their own division. Uh, The only win coming against the team that had already clinched the division and was kind of mailing it in to get to the championship game. So, um, you know, there was still some letdown, even with his best season at Western Michigan. So uh, anyway, Uh, this Iowa offense certainly has some pieces and Caden Proctor is going to help Caden McNamara, if healthy would help. Uh, One person I talked to, you know, was like a first telltale sign will be how he hand. Hey, I see your son there, how he handles the quarterback situation. Will Deacon, Hill be anywhere near the football uh, this spring. I mean, that will be a litmus test for, for some people. So, Uh, Let's see how he handles the quarterback situation. Maybe he's got a quarterback he wants to bring in. Who knows? Um, Maybe he doesn't. But uh, there are other issues now that we can focus on uh, beyond the Tim Lester track record. Because at some point, we'll have his Iowa track record to go on.
1: Yeah, my son is, uh, based on his reaction, he's not too impressed either with the hire. Okay.
0: Uh,
1: Okay, I'll open it in a second, buddy. Yeah, and I mean, we'll also see what happens at wide receiver coach, too, because that's going to be something that, in theory, he, um, you know, is going to get control over and going to get to bring in, you know, in theory, somebody he wants to. And so, yeah, there's a lot of – again, most of the time when you come into a job like this, there's some understanding that it's going to take some time to kind of settle in and do what you want to do. But there's really no – there's none of that because – the offense has been so bad, and has been been really what's holding this program back. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that gets handled.
0: All right, Dargan's gonna mute himself. I'm gonna let you guys go enjoy the the NFL championship games. Should be two great ones: Chiefs, Ravens, Niners, Lions. Lots of Hawkeyes involved. Uh, we'll have more time to talk football uh, in the coming days and coming weeks. I will be out tomorrow. I am. Um, Uh, I have a funeral tomorrow and we'll be out, probably out on Tuesday as well, but we'll see. We'll see when they introduce Tim Lester as OC. Uh, Certainly we'll have more coverage as this evolves. We'll hear from Kirk Ferentz at some point, probably midweek would be my guess, uh, surrounding this hire. They haven't even announced it yet at Iowa, but we we can report, we can confirm. It is Tim Lester, the new offensive coordinator at the University of Iowa. For Dargan Southern, this is Chad Lysico saying so long. Thank you for joining us at hawkcentral.com. We'll talk to you next time.